Hello and welcome to the Tax and Money Tavern podcast. Thank you so much for joining. In today's episode, we'll look into private equity firms in the wake of the SEC news on regulating the 2% management fee reporting. And we'll look into the case of a New York-based private equity company that has been charged by the SEC and will need to pay $20.5 million to settle those charges. So a very exciting episode. Let's get into it. The conventional category of investment includes stocks, bonds, and cash and we all know about these but there are also numerous types of alternative investments and they are great for diversification and these include private equity firms venture capital hedge funds managed futures art and antiques commodities derivatives contracts and real estate and even cryptocurrencies but in today's episode we'll be talking about private equity firms specifically most of these alternative investments are held by accredited uh, investors high net worth individuals or institutional investors And the reason for that is because alternative investments oftentimes have fewer regulations from the SEC and they tend to be somewhat illiquid and even more risky. I'm sure you all know what private equities do. They buy companies, they overhaul them, they may cut costs, restructure the company's operations, they manage them, they make them profitable, hopefully, and then sell them at a good margin. And uh, as I said, most private equity firms are only accessible to high net worth individuals, accredited investors, but some are publicly traded, such as the Blackstone Group. But today we'll be talking about those elusive private equity firms that don't sell their stock on the public market. And before we do that, just wanted to cover the concept of an accredited investor. The SEC has a long-standing definition of an accredited investor, and that definition spins around the finances of that investor. For the most part, there are certain requirements and if investor meets one of them, he's considered to be the accredited investor. Uh, One of the requirements is the income requirement. It needs to be at least $200,000 per year if single or if married, at least $300,000 per year for the last two years. And for the current year, it needs to be either the same or higher. Another requirement is about their net worth. So the net worth of an accredited investor needs to be at least $1 million, whether married or single, but that should not include their primary residence. If we are talking about a business entity, for example, a private business or a private organization, and you want to consider that an accredited investor, that business needs to have assets of more than $5 million. Also, if an entity consists of owners who are all accredited investors, that entity would be considered an accredited investor as well. In August 2020, the SEC has amended the definition of an accredited investor and they added one other requirement. And remember, the person only needs to meet one of the requirements to be considered an an accredited investor. So in our case, the new new requirement uh, would require the person to demonstrate sufficient education or job experience showing their professional knowledge of unregistered security specifically. Or if the person has a a professional certification, designation, or some credential. Also, if a person is a knowledgeable employee of a private fund, that would be considered an accredited investor. And the reason that private equity firms are only accessible to either accredited investors, high net worth individuals, or uh, 
uh, institutional investors is because for two reasons. Uh, first is that uh, those investments are usually quite risky. And so high net worth individual or an accredited investor with quite a bit of income or net worth will probably be all right occasionally losing a few hundred thousand dollars or a few million dollars on a bad investment, unlike all the normal individuals out there. And the second reason why most private equity firms are only accessible to the very limited number of investors, you know, the accredited ones, is because they're so not transparent and they're not very well regulated by the SEC. And they don't disclose a lot of things that uh, publicly traded companies do. They don't have as many requirements. And recently, the SEC actually has tightened some of the requirements that we will talk about later. Most private equity firms have extremely high minimum investment requirements. I would say the least investment amount is probably around $250,000, but a lot of firms require even higher minimum investments. They can go up to millions of dollars. And they also impose very high fees. Speaking of fees, private equity firms, similar to hedge funds, charge a management fee of usually 2% and a performance fee of usually 20%. The way it works is that a fund is a partnership and is established and managed by a general partner. The general partner makes all the fund's decisions and also contributes 1-3% to of the fund's capital to have the skin in the game. And in return, the general partner receives the 2% management fee and the 20% performance fee. The performance fee is also known as carried interest. It's taxed at long-term capital gain rate, and I will talk about it in the next episode. For now, I just wanted to discuss the SEC news from September regarding the management fees, the one that's usually 2%. And also, so you understand, these funds manage billions of assets, and the management fee is a percentage of the fund assets. Imagine a fund that manages $2 billion and receives a 2% fee, which yields $40 million of fee revenue, regardless of how well successful or unsuccessful the fund is at generating profits. The fund can lose money every year, for all I know, and still receive the lucrative fee. Among larger funds, it sometimes happens uh, when the 2% management fee exceeds the 20% performance fee, a lot of private equity firms have limits on the number of investors that they have. And these investors, once they put the minimum required money into the firm, usually can't withdraw pretty much anything for long periods of time. It could be years until the investors can get their money back. Because most private equity firms are not publicly traded, as I said, they're not subject to the SEC regulations and they don't have to d disclose a lot of information about their business operations or how well the business is doing. In addition, they tend to have complex structures. And the reason why a lot of these firms have a limit on the number of investors that they have is probably because of the Investment Advisors Act that was put in place in 1940, I think, uh, which included some anti-fraud provisions. So a lot of firms were able to exempt themselves from most of the regulations of that Investment Advisors Act by limiting the number of investors that invest in those funds and also meeting some other technical requirements. There was also a Dodd-Frank reform in 2010, which added a few regulations. For example, one big thing was forcing the firms to register with the SEC if they managed more than $150 million in assets. 
And in 2012, the SEC created a separate unit to oversee the industry. Now the firms are required to report information on their size, what services they offer, conflicts of interest, among other things. And finally, in September 2023, there were big news about the SEC adopting many new regulations. The securities regulators five-member panel voted three to two to implement a number of new requirements which includes forcing registered firms to report quarterly statements detailing fund performance, fees, expenses, and also require annual audits. In addition, the new rules prohibit the private equity firms to offer preferential treatment to an investor, with exceptions of course, but in that case there are disclosure requirements. Uh, these, however, as far as I know, are applicable only to new agreements and contracts. So what do you think about these new SEC requirements and regulations on private equity firms? Is it going to help the economy? Is it going to hurt it? Uh, does it make sense? Is it going to completely destroy the entire industry? Or is it going to help with uh, more disclosure and transparency? Is it even necessary? Because accredited investors are rich people and they are knowledgeable, supposedly, so they should be careful themselves and do their due diligence, right? About $18 trillion resides in private equity firms, including PE, venture capital, and hedge funds. And given that a lot of pension funds and insurance companies invest a large portion of their funds into private equity firms, what do you think of the new regulations? Are they beneficial or are they gonna hurt the economy overall? I'm very curious, so feel free to share your opinion. And lastly, I just wanted to point a recent case about the disclosure, non-disclosure transparency issue with a New York-based private equity firm, which uh, is based in Saratoga Springs, New York, and it launched its investment fund in 2017 to purchase self-storage real estate properties. And the SEC has charged it, and now it needs to pay $20.5 million to settle those SEC charges. So what was the problem with the firm? Well, the name of the private equity firm is Prime Group Holdings LLC. The way they worked is that they relied on the so-called deal teams, which basically were Prime Group's employees and independent contractors who would find and purchase those off-market properties. And uh, the team's cost and compensation, as well as some other expenses, were paid in part from a 3% brokerage fee. And everything sounds great except the fact that the brokerage fees were paid to a real estate brokerage firm, which was wholly owned by the Prime Group's CEO, which makes that brokerage firm an affiliate of Prime Group. However, that was never disclosed to any investors. And so Prime Group Holdings LLC made misleading statements in its offering materials, in the partnership agreement, in the memorandum, in the due diligence questionnaires, concerning fees and obviously conflicts of interest. And so between 2017 and 2021, the affiliated brokerage firm received nearly $18 million in brokerage fees. Alright, this is it for today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it or at least found something useful. Maybe you found it insightful, motivating, absurd or boring. I hope it's not the latter. Anyways, let me know what you think and I hope you join me in the next episode. Have a great day in the meantime and take care.